Welcome back to the basement for Basement Sports Talk. I'm your host, Kyle Meath. With me again is the Cheddar Man, Chris Ferdinand, coming to you live from Ohio. What up? <laughs> so we got a free agency NFL podcast for you today. One of the first topics is going to be the Matthew Stafford, Jared Goff trade. And then we've got the Miami San Francisco trade. We've also got the Sam Darnold to Carolina trade. And then the Carson Wentz to Indianapolis trade. And then we'll also talk about Deshaun Watson a little bit. And of course, the Bills and the Browns. Because can't go a whole podcast without talking about the Bills and the Browns, Chris. All right. Um, so let's start off here with the Matthew Stafford, Jared Goff trade. Who won the trade, Chris? Um, I think it was a good trade for both teams, um, but I really love this trade for the Rams when it first went down. Uh, Roster-wise, financially, and just for the quarterback upgrade itself, um, I think it's an overall roster upgrade in general um, at the quarterback position. Um, like I feel like Stafford's like the seventh or eighth best quarterback in the world right now, and Goff is like you know higher teens, like 18th. So it's a huge upgrade for them there. Um, you know, while Stafford is expensive, he's no longer as expensive as he was. Um, and then, you know, these guys like Jared Goff and Carson Wentz, they actually signed bigger deals than guys like Stafford. So um, I think that's why uh, Los Angeles had to give up a little bit more with also giving up Jared Goff to take on, um, you know, enticing Detroit to take on a salary that Jared Goff arguably doesn't warrant. So um, I like the trade for Detroit big time. Luckily for uh, Detroit, uh, none of that money for Jared Goff is guaranteed anymore, so they can cut him with no penalty. Yep. Going forward. But as long as he's on the roster, he's making like thirty-one million, and I, yeah. and I anticipate them keeping him at least for this year. Yeah, exactly. Um, I just wanted to point that out. So the breakdown of the trade really is: um, the Lions get a third-round pick in. 2021, so this year, they get a first rounder in 2022 and 2023. So that'll that'll mean if the Rams somehow don't uh, get a first round pick in the future, they'll they will not have made a first round pick um, in seven years. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's why their window is so so small right now I feel like they have maybe this year and next year max to win this thing so they're going all in with Stafford because they have no future uh, they haven't been able to build with their Jared Goff Aaron Donald types anymore because they're giving up their first round picks yeah they've gone all in on guys like um, Jalen Ramsey and uh, some wide receivers who are, aren't even on the team anymore so that's interesting. Um, yep. So they got they have they have a closing window with this Aaron Donald era. So I'm actually all for it. Um, you know, hemorrhaging their future for this right now because the defense is still very good. McVay is obviously great, um, but he just hasn't had that top ten quarterback. So we'll see what he can do. 
Yep. Um, so Jared Goff will cost twenty-two million in dead cap this year for the Rams, and let's see, Matthew Stafford will be seventeen million against the cap for the Lions. Um, so those are some pretty hefty numbers for someone who's not on your team anymore. Yeah, um, but I, it's practically a wash because they're both paying the other person's quarterback, right? Yeah, true. Um, one of this, the more... isn't like, this isn't like Philly and Indianapolis, which we'll get to, which is awesome. <laughs> um, but one of the more interesting aspects of this is, and I don't think people are talking about this very much, is uh, Jared Goff's future in Detroit. Uh, historically, basically since we were kids, just um, occasionally a playoff team, but usually a bad franchise. Um, so Jared will be going into a team that has a rookie head coach. Basically, he was an interim coach for the Miami Dolphins for like half a season in Dan Campbell. And if you saw his uh, beginning uh, press conference, um, just let's just say he's a meathead. Yeah, uh, it's an awful situation, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, you know, defensive coach, uh, brand new at head coaching, uh, historically terrible organization. I mean, it's a great way to kill Jared Goff's career. So I think if things go sideways, sadly, I think Goff's era is over. And, you know, it was his rookie season and whatnot, but uh, Goff has been proven to be pretty lackluster under a terrible or under a bad head coach. And what concerns me is it's not even an offensive-minded head coach anymore. So that's something that I think all young quarterbacks need and whatnot. So uh, this could be a pretty big pretty bad news for uh, Jared Goff, but I think Detroit obviously um, saw low risk, high reward by taking on Jared Goff, who's taken a team to a Super Bowl, but then they also get those picks. So it's a great way to rebuild. Um, you know, it's not it's not too much unlike uh, Carolina, actually, you know, just trying to take a swing on um, somebody who's even cheaper and lower risk than Sam Darnold. It's just interesting to think, will we see Jared Goff kind of revert back to his days with uh, Jeff Fisher with with the Rams or will we still see a kind of Sean McVay type Jared Goff right the situation is so important to quarterbacks and like you know you and I and uh, a lot of like level headed people understand that even the best quarterbacks can't do great in a bad situation I mean Look at Deshaun Watson, like third best quarterback in the world, and he's going to get you four wins on a terrible team. So you have somebody who's even worse, uh, who's way worse than Deshaun Watson going to an equally bad situation in current Detroit. So, um, yeah, I think this, I think Goff was honestly a uh, just kind of like a throw in pick to this trade to get Stafford off and get a bunch of picks for Stafford. Um, so they're like, uh, yeah, I guess we'll take Jared Goff too. We really just want the picks. Uh, And then let's talk about the quarterback in Matthew Stafford, who basically upgraded in every position (laughs) um, for his career. He he upgraded offensive scheme-wise. Yeah, it's going to be 
Yeah, he, he doesn't care about uh, not having any first-round picks next year or the year after that because he's going to try and win this thing this year or next year, and he's got the talent to do it. Now he has the situation to do it because we've seen uh, this team go to the Super Bowl and almost win a Super Bowl with somebody who's way worse than uh, 2021 Matt Stafford. Yeah, so he was a first, uh, the first overall pick 10, 11 years ago, and he's got ridiculous skills. Unfortunately, with all those stats he's compiled up, up uh, zero playoff wins. And we'll get to see with the Rams if really that blame lies with mostly on him or with the Lions. Because you said it, O-line he's upgrading, defense he's upgrading, skill positions he's upgrading, coach he's upgrading, owner he's upgrading. So yep. if he doesn't succeed here and get a few playoff wins, at least maybe even an NFC championship appearance, we'll say it was because of Matthew Stafford that the Lions didn't have more success. Oh, if they don't, if they don't make the playoffs, uh, Matt Stafford is uh, a fraud. Like, I mean, like he is completely upgrading in all these places. And I know Stafford's got the talent. I mean, I'm not. Actually, I'm not worried about that. The L.A. Rams are like a top two or three NFC team for me, and I probably would have them in the NFC Championship right now. But uh, Stafford did everything right on our timeline of like requirements from quarterbacks, right? So like on when he was on his rookie contract, which by the way back then were monster contracts, um, he did you know he was making his team competitive, you know, while he was at his cheapest and whatnot. I mean that's when Detroit was making those maybe 2011-12 runs with Megatron and everything. Those teams were sweet, and that's because Matt Stafford was a competent, well-worth uh, first-round quarterback, like franchise quarterback. So then, unfortunately, you know, you hit, which actually is called the Stafford zone, where you start getting paid big monster money, and your team really can't uh, go far anymore. So, like, he put his team in the Stafford zone, but, but Stafford is, is a beefier, better Derek Carr, and he's kind of like Aaron Rodgers' light. But, I mean, Aaron Rodgers' light under Sean McVay with that defense, and, I mean, it's going to be good. And Matthew Stafford, while in Detroit for years, didn't have a 100-yard rusher. In fact, they had the longest streak in the NFL of not having a 100-yard rusher. And that right. that streak was finally broken uh, this uh, season. I don't think that'll be a problem with the Rams, considering they have Cam Akers uh, at his disposal. So he'll actually have a running game because Sean McVay actually focuses on having a, a running game for his quarterback. Right, and this team... This team isn't as deep as they were on their Super Bowl run, but probably not as deep as they were last year. They lost a couple people on on defense, um, but I mean Stafford makes up for that because he's I think he's you know ten spots ahead of Jared Goff in terms of QB ranking. So on his um, on his QB chart, I mean they are in a monster division, right? So they got four just sick uh, quarterbacks in that division, and then you know depending on what happens. San Francisco that is, which we imagine they're going to get a sick prospect and try and replicate 2017 Kansas City. But um, I think uh, the Rams, I mean, today, outside of what we know about San Francisco, I think they're the favorite to win the NFC West. 
I would uh, I would agree with that, sir. Yeah, Seattle is uh, going to be, you know, having the same issues they've had the last few years where Russ is the guy because Russ is paid. Um, and then we got San Francisco who, um, depending on who they draft, who they get at number three, um, they could be one or two. And then Arizona is going to put up a fight. I mean, it's the best division in football in my opinion. Yeah, uh, that or the AFC North. Um, yeah, AFC North is tight, but um, AFC North doesn't get the nod because Cincinnati is not up there yet. Whereas anybody in the in the NFC West could uh, could make the playoffs. Like you wouldn't put money on Cincinnati to make the playoffs this year. No, but they could be a dark horse. True, true. All right, so another trade involving an NFC West team. So the San Francisco 49ers went up to the third overall selection, trading with the Dolphins for the third overall pick. The Dolphins got the sixth uh, or the twelfth pick, and then immediately traded that to Philadelphia for the sixth pick. <laughs> Uh, so the Dolphins will now be tra- um, the Dolphins will now be at six. San Francisco will be at three, and the Eagles will be at twelve this year in the first round. So, what does this mean for Jimmy G's future? Um, so initially, when this happened, I thought it meant that Jimmy G is done. Um, you know, he will or should be. Um, after they draft a quarterback at number three, uh, be done there. I mean, things are going to be unsettling and uncomfortable there. And I was like, oh, well, obviously we're going to trade Jimmy G. But then I started thinking, this is a team who's, uh, who after injury has been screwed uh, twice the last like, couple of years, right? Or yep. two times in the last three years. So maybe it's a team that's not going to uh, trade away their QB depth. Um, yeah, because that really hurt them. Uh, exactly. I feel like Shanahan has a missed the playoffs because of it. Yeah. So now they'll have their prospect, and then they'll have Jimmy G. Yeah, Shanahan has a ridiculous record with Jimmy G starting, and an atrocious record when he's not, which is under. Exactly. So originally I thought he was done, but then another thing that I think why he might be in San Francisco is finding a trade partner. Jimmy G is a pretty expensive quarterback, and I think Jimmy G. Is like a top 20 quarterback. Um, so I think teams would want him, but I'm trying to think of like who would want him, who would want to take him on for his current salary, um, etc. So I think he's done if they can find the right situation for him, but then we'll see what happens. But yeah, I think, I think Jimmy G's done, done there in terms of a starting quarterback because I think uh, I think San Francisco is going to grab Fields or Wilson, depending on who's available at number three, because I think Shanahan sees, uh, you know, what 2017 Kansas City did, uh, grabbing their guy with just a ridiculous arm talent. Um, so I, I'm excited to see who, who drops to them at three. Yeah, it, it would be interesting to see, because I don't think uh, teams will be super enthused uh, to it's rumored that San Francisco wants a one for Jimmy G, a first round pick. That ain't gonna happen. Yeah, exactly. I mean, especially when you've kind of shown your cards that he's not your guy. True. Uh, 
true. And then no, no one wants to trade for the NFL quarterback version of Mr. Glass. <laughs> and, uh, right, yeah, yeah. and unstoppable. Yeah, it's huge injury risk. So I, I think they're going to end up giving him up for something like a second or third. But, uh, yeah. I mean, maybe New England. Maybe he goes back there and bowls. Um, I think he'd be a better option than current Cam Newton. Uh, but we'll see. But in terms of like what we think San Francisco is going to do right now, um, I think they take Wilson if he's available. I think Wilson is their is their preference. I mean, he's got ridiculous arm talent. I can't imagine him with Shanahan's schemes. He's a, he's basically a better Jimmy G. Um, and then you know if if Wilson's not available, I mean Justin Fields is going to be a monster in Shanahan's offense too. Just looking back at like. Um, RG3, he'll be a better passing RG3, and I think Shanahan will recognize that. It's going to be insane. Regardless, San Francisco, when they did this, I think they confirmed they're going to be like the number one con- contender in the NFC West for uh, for a few years, a la 2017 Kansas City when they got their guy. They were just a, they were an established playoff contender already with Alex Smith. But once they upgraded that arm talent, like it made them a force for you know the next several years, and I think that's the blueprint that Shanahan's going for, and he's equally uh, an awesome offensive mind like Andy Reid. So it's just going to be scary. Uh, sadly for San Francisco fans, the quarterback that's been rumored uh, to be the pick of the 49ers more than anyone else is. Mac Wilson of Alabama. <laughs> um, he is he's a less athletic version of um, Jimmy G. Yeah, I mean, what concerns me about Mac Jones and why he's fourth on my QB rankings it's like Lawrence, Wilson, Fields, Mac Jones, Trey. It, it's you know I'm I'm, not, I'm trying not to hold it against it, but Mac Jones is a one year starter. Um, to his credit, he's the best quarterback on the greatest college football team I think I've ever seen. But then again, he's also the quarterback of the greatest football team I've ever seen. So it's like kind of a double-edged sword. Like, yeah, Heisman finalist, certainly a huge product of that of that team. But I mean, you know, I think he's the fourth best player on the offensive side of that ball, right? Um, and also a one-year starter, somebody who couldn't beat out a guy who looks pretty lackluster in the NFL right now in Tua. So uh, it's a concern, and it's a rule of mine now. It's like the Trubisky rule. It's like, dude, we don't have enough data on you to confirm you're worth the first rounder. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm fine being wrong. I'm, I'm wrong constantly about half these quarterbacks that come out. So, you know, uh, Trey Lance and uh, Mac Jones, unfortunately, are getting trubisky by me. Because, uh, yeah, so... It's just too too little data on him compared to my top three guys. I just think for spending a early first round pick on a quarterback, you'd like them to be more of the prototype that's being drafted nowadays, which is that quarterback has at least some movement ability outside the pocket, and he does not. Right. At all. To play devil's advocate, uh, a goat just won his seventh, uh, seventh Super Bowl, not doing any of that. And also, to Shanahan's credit, he had uh, Matt Ryan win an MVP. 
I can I rebuttal? Point. Can I rebuttal that point? Yeah, but let me. So I, I'm just saying I see what Shan sees, but then also I don't even know if this is entirely not a smokescreen. I mean, say say San Francisco <laughs> wants to get Wilson or Fields or whoever, so like they're putting out Mac Jones feelers into the uh, into the public and into the media, so that New York Jets might get nervous and. And Trubisky all over themselves, you know what I'm saying? So in 2017, you hear about uh, these teams playing uh, corporate espionage and saying, like, I just don't trust Mahomes to be able to learn this playbook, or uh, does Watson's style work in the NFL? And you hear about these teams putting out stuff like that, and then Chicago's just like, oh, let's get Trubisky. (laughs) So it would be brilliant if San Francisco was doing that right now. Anyway, go ahead. What was your rebuttal? My rebuttal is that the GOAT and Matt Ryan are pocket passers, obviously, that have multiple decades in, in, in the league right now. They're cerebrally on another level. I know, and they were, and, drafted, and, they were drafted in a time where that you know, attribute was able to be honed in and whatnot over several years. So they've been able to adapt to what the new... Uh, yeah, style. So and I get what you're saying. I don't. I, I would not draft Mac uh, third overall. So I don't. Uh, I don't know. If Shan, if Shan does it, then he knows something we don't know, and he is a, a baller. I love Shan. So. I don't know if teams have the patience nowadays uh, to wait for a pocket passer to develop to that level, um, because my feeling is he's going to struggle as a rookie because a lot of those rookies rely a little more on their athleticism than their ability to uh, read a defense and throw early on in in the league and then develop that other parts of their game to become unbelievable later on. Right. And, you know, I mean, to, you look at Joe Burrow's not unathletic. He's a, he's a great athlete, but it's like his his uh, calling card is pocket passing, and he was a baller. He was on his way to winning offensive rookie of the year last year. So, but that would mean that you think that Shanahan thinks that Mac Jones is Joe Burrow, which he is. I mean, Burrow has, uh, not even has close. Joe passes. Burrow can move. Yeah, yeah, and then he had two years of data too. Two years of really really good data. So like his first year was average looking. His his second year of starting was just elite, like top four level college football statistics. Um, so, yeah, Mac Jones certainly didn't do that. I mean, it's pretty worrisome red flags for me with Jones that would make him not in the top three. Um, everybody has red flags. Could it be that when he's played, he's had, uh, in the past two years, he's had four, he's going to be having four first round wide receivers? craziness i mean you know and that's that's what one of the worries was was with Tua too like uh he he was a monster and like a great a huge part of alabama and you know uh Tua was actually probably one of the best players on those teams but um yeah it's like you come from this place like alabama where you literally haven't faced any adversity so i guess going to san francisco you're going to be a little better off because you're going to stack team but like Mac Jones going to the New York Jets and having to be the best player on a team when he's never actually been the best player on a team, that's going to be crazy. So, anyway, I'm, yeah, I'm curious to see what happens here. 
uh, everybody has red flags, but Mac Jones is a really, really hard to decipher because it's like, was he the reason that Alabama team was the best team I've ever seen? Or uh, was he just kind of a product of the best team ever? So, yeah, I mean, that's why he's not the number one pick or the number two pick or the number three pick for me. I mean, those three guys were all the guy on their team. Mm-hmm. Uh, the trend right now is that the quarterbacks that have have succeeded have been have come from non-traditional powers at the QB position. You look at yeah. jo- Josh Allen, Wyoming. Um, let's see. Uh, oh, yeah. Drew Brees, Purdue. Yeah. Herbert. Oregon. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, what? Tyler Murray. With so, the... Yeah, I mean, they're coming from being the guys. You know, Lamar Jackson. So, yeah, I mean, it would be Mac Jones would be the first player, I guess, in the last few drafts that – you know, Baker Mayfield came from a stack team. Joe Burrow came from a stack team. But those two guys were, in my opinion, the best players on the teams. All right. And let's talk about another guy who got traded. I've never seen these many QBs get traded in in a single year. It's It's been amazing for just analyzing uh, the offseason and this much QB movement is great for people to continue talking about the league in the offseason. I bet the NFL loves it. So, this has been sweet. So Sam Darnold got traded uh, to the Panthers. Uh, Jets got a sixth-round pick in 2021 and a second-round pick in 2022, along with a fourth-round pick that same year. You and I are both big Darnold fans who think what he got put through in New York is absolute crap in that he's still a quarterback that can be salvaged into something really, really good. Yeah, I think it's a testament to him, actually, that he's not uh, dead. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it shows he's a good quarterback. So, yeah, I mean, so when they were, when they were, we love the t- 2018 draft, obviously, because that's where we got our guys. But you know, when they were first drafted to each place, like you'd be like, okay, so no, we both, we both wanted Darnold on our team. Oh, we both wanted Darnold. Yeah, Darnold was like the number one quarterback to us. Uh, I'm just saying, in terms of situations of where the five guys went, you'd rank them probably. Cleveland and Arizona were terrible places to go. Then the New York Jets, then Buffalo, then Baltimore. Um, so Josh and Lamar had great situations, and you know, shocking, uh, they're the ones who actually got an MVP and then got second in MVP voting at some points in their careers. But if you analyze over the last three years, over the last three years, who had the worst situation? It's easily Darnold. Um, the accumulation of all all the things that have happened in the last three years. I mean. Uh, he's lucky to be alive. He's lucky to still have an arm. <laughs> They've done nothing for him. Um, so, to so what makes that good is that there's still question marks about him. People still want him because they're like, uh, yeah, he was the least of that piece of crap organization's problems. So, I mean, this is a great trade for Carolina. Low risk, high reward. Um, I love it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, just taking a further look at Sam Darnold's situation w- with the Jets, uh, they got. Here's what they've done for him: uh, n- 
the best wide receiver he's had his whole time there has been a decent slot receiver named Jamison Crowder. Most people don't even know who he is. Uh, they got the carcass of Le'Veon Bell. And they gave up a lot. A lot and a, a significant amount for him. Uh, they finally got him a good offensive lineman last year in a rookie. So they never got him any good free agents on the line. It's clown shoes what they've done for him in comparison to his peers. Josh Allen gets a new wide receiver gift every spring, along with like <laughs> a, an awesome head coach, an amazing offensive coordinator that tailors everything to this position, um, a great solid offensive line, a great defense. Baker Mayfield's gotten, you know, his, his first two years head coach-wise, he was screwed, and you would argue that in, in the first two years of their careers, Baker's had a worse situation. But then Baker got completely spoiled roster-wise in year two and then completely spoiled coaching-wise in year three. So, um, yeah, I mean, you just look at what everybody's getting. And Lamar Jackson, obviously, what just went to stability.com. Um, and it's just a great organization who's, like, tailored their offense to them, got a great offensive line, et cetera. So, Darnold, you can't even, like, even argue about him being over yet. So you see a smart organization like Carolina and Rule, they see something in them. They upgrade, I think, at the quarterback position. Him and Teddy Bridgewater have very comparable passer ratings, uh, even though Bridgewater was in a way better situation. So, um, you know, Darnold's going to jump up a few points in QBR and all that stuff just from being in a good situation. And, and people argue, like, they have to make the decision on his fifth-year option soon. It's like, dude, the fifth-year option in terms of money is nothing. Oh my gosh! Yeah, you're gonna pay him like maybe a little less than twenty million dollars next year, and that's that's nothing. Yeah, seriously, because you're paying him nothing right now. So if you can get away with paying what twenty five million dollars for two years, Sam Darnold, that's great. So yeah. you get to take a swing and you get to put him in a situation. And what you have to remember is like um, people are like, yeah, but look at all this lost time on his first three years. Baker Mayfield was almost out of the league after year two, and he's became the person we know today from just one year. Josh Allen was very lackluster his first two years, and he became who he became this year in one year. So it's like, it's the flip that can happen uh, with Sam Darnold is what you're paying for. Especially with the roster he's going to in Carolina. Let's oh, look he's at, getting McCaffrey, look. he's getting Rule. Yeah, I mean, he's getting all these, all these mines and weapons. That he, I mean, that's why him and his buddies... And that's why his buddies threw a party for him, like he got redrafted. <laughs> and, he's so, and he's so young. Darnold yeah. is younger than Joe Burrow. Yeah, he's um. So he's younger than Kyle Trask, who's going to be drafted this year right. out he's of Florida. 20, he's turning twenty-four in June. Uh, you know, Baker Mayfield was twenty-three when he was drafted. So it's mm-hmm. there's all the time in the world for Donald, and it's. It's no money. They're giving him zero money this year. And the fifth-year option is going to be nothing next year, especially with the cap or the salary cap spikes over the next couple of years. So this is a great trade for Panthers. And I think they gave up a second-rounder and then maybe a fourth and a seventh. But, like, the second round is the only one that matters um, to me in this situation, and that's nothing for Sam Darnold. And I just the, – the one situation that really makes me laugh is um, uh, Sam Darnold has had Adam Gase for most of his career. 
Um, and Adam Gase is considered so awful that it's actually benefited Sam Darnold a little bit to have had him as a coach in terms of his still having viability going forward. Oh, yeah, that's what that's what the league thinks of Adam Gates. When you really think about this, the fact that Sam Darnold is still a hot commodity, that's what people think of Adam Gates. <laughs> so, um, you know, my buddy Mike from work always talks about uh, Adam Gates has gotten like two head coaching jobs uh, just by being elite at getting coffee for Peyton Manning for one year. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, Darnold, Darnold is definitely, nothing's being held against uh, Darnold, which is smart. And I'm curious who else was involved in uh, calling about Darnold because, you know, once San Francisco made their trade, that's when I think people were like, okay, now we got to move on Darnold. Because I think Carolina was vying for that number three spot as well. Yeah. Because, oh my gosh, I mean, Rule definitely trying to get Fields or Wilson. Um, mm-hmm. So once they saw that, they're like, okay, Darnold's the next option. So I wonder if Carolina had been able to get that three spot, I bet you Sam Darnold would be in San Francisco right now, and that would be baller. Yeah, and two fan bases that have to be a little upset that they didn't get Sam Darnold, I would believe would be uh, the Chicago Bears and the Washington football team. Oh, yeah, I I think uh, Chicago would be a great spot for Darnold. I think Nagy would see him as, you know, a a beefier Trubisky, a a better Trubisky. So... um, yeah, and he'd be doing well in Washington too. But he went. Sam Darnold, I think, went to an even better situation than those. Um, well, actually, no. Now you would be awesome in Chicago. And I'm curious, like, if Indy hadn't been able to fleece Philadelphia uh, for Wentz, I bet you they'd be going after Darnold too. Yeah, which um, I believe Darnold is a currently better option than Wentz is, but we won't go there. Yeah, I mean, if, if Wentz can get back to what he was, I think that's what they're looking for in Indy. But, I mean, I would just take on Darnold just because uh, monetarily and less less wear and tear and also less bad habits. Yeah. Okay. Um, so with some of these trades, some people are wondering, should the Dolphins have stayed at three and taken a quarterback, even though they drafted Tua Tagovailoa with the fifth pick in last year's draft. Um, Chris, I know where you stand on this. Why don't you tell the audience? Yeah, that's a hell no. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I mean, I'm so staunch against this that I'm even... (laughs) against the Kyler Murray upgrade from Josh Rose. Like, I, I think it's so, so That's ridiculous, by the no, way. No, I think it's so inefficient. I think it's so irresponsible. I think it's it's like no value added when you when you draft the same position in consecutive years, particularly in the first round, particularly oh. at the quarterback position. Oh, yeah, because Kyler Murray is not talking, so much better than Josh Rosen. right now with Josh Rosen with Nick Bosa than, than um, getting their Pro Bowl quarterback with Kyler Murray. That's how much I'm against this. So, yeah, that's a hell no. Uh, it's ludicrous, and it's, uh, yeah, it's just a, it's a repetitive work. Okay. It's, it's a duplication of efforts. Okay. So, it's, it's a no for me, too. It's not nearly as 
uh, strongly worded as you. Um, okay, so we know that guys who have been iffy early in their career have developed into something special recently in both Josh Allen and Baker Mayfield. And yep. I, I, I think um, two was more comparative to Baker physically. Um, sure. in the terms of style of player that they are because Tua is not going to grow um, six more inches and gain 30 pounds. <laughs> and, and start running twice as fast. <laughs> um, so, and let's just look at the things that Miami is, pro- is uh, doing for Tua currently. They got Kyle Fuller for them for him from Houston who's a burner. They got the uh the sixth pick for him which probably means that probably means Devonte Smith um helped me the the Florida tight end um or Are you talking about Kyle Pitts? Yep, yeah, Kyle Pitts, thank you. And then the LSU wide receiver Chase so it's probably those three, or Jalen Waddle. So those. Oh, they've been doing an amazing job setting the table the last couple of years. That's why I think it would be it would be such a bad and negative impact to their current plan to move off from their quarterback they drafted last first round. I mean, that's why I'm so emphatic about it systematically. Like, it's, I'm incapable my programming to redraft <laughs> a in the first round. Um, but then I haven't even talked about the quarterback itself. Tua is a baller. Like, Tua was the second-best QB prospect in last year's draft. And you have five seasons with a quarterback. When when people people don't realize, like, you draft a first-round quarterback, you have five seasons. Why the hell would you move on after one year? Like, just as you mentioned, Josh Allen was trash after his rookie year. Like, he was bad. He was Um, bad. And then he got... And Mayfield was the second-worst quarterback in the league in his sophomore year. So... Tua wasn't even close to being as bad as those two were in those two years. So, uh, yeah, you don't even consider moving off of Tua, um, given his potential, and then given the, the fact that you haven't seen him yet. So, um, yeah, you use all that ammo you've been acquiring on new pieces and weapons to make him great as opposed to replacing him. Yeah, uh, uh, Josh Allen didn't show signs of being good till the second half of his second year. So, uh, a little bit of patience is nice. Um, another thing I think that will help Tua is Chan Gailey, the offensive coordinator, is gone. Uh, he was in Buffalo for a few seasons as the offensive coordinator uh, and head coach. Uh, not a fan of Chan, Chan Gailey. Just putting it out there. So I think that will help as well for Tua. The, the one thing that makes it just a, a soft no for me is Tua had the, the lowest yards per attempt in the NFL. And I'm just... Yeah, wa- but that's what people are forgetting is Tua is, Tua is the greatest Cody Kessler of all time. And that's why all he did was win games because he's one of the most accurate passers we've ever seen. Um, and he just puts the ball 
in play. Like, yeah, so he's not this home run hitter. Can can I say this, though? He did air it out in Alabama, so I kept waiting for them to start letting him do a little bit more of that. Yeah, and... I don't know. Maybe there was, there was pages in the playbook that were just reserved for Fitzpatrick. I'm not kidding. <laughs> it's, no, and I, you can see Fitzpatrick ripping out all of the short plays in his playbook and, and putting them in Tua's playbook. So Tua's like, I feel like I have two-thirds uh, of the... Uh, short pass and then Fitzpatrick's like yeah that's weird I don't have any two is going to be a baller I mean Drew Brees uh, is you know the third best quarterback of the century because he is yeah I mean he's what two I can be eventually so can I tell you this though and you tell me if I'm crazy as a Bills fan I am happy that they are not taking, like, Fields or Lance right now. Is that crazy for me to just be like, thank you for staying with Tua? Um, I don't know, man. I think Tua could be better than both of them. You know, I mean, there's so many red flags with with Fields and uh, Lance and Wilson and all these guys. So... Uh, yeah, I mean, Tua could be great one day, and you could be saying, like, man, I wish they had drafted uh, Trey Lance, who's working in the cubicle next to Chris now. But <laughs> <laughs> so we don't know what's going to happen with that. So, yeah, no, you should be worried that the Dolphins got Tua last year, and then you should be most worried about the, the war chest that the Dolphins have been building the last three off-seasons, a la... Um, Lear- yeah. They learned all that. They took, they took the 2016 through 18 Browns playbook in uh asset accumulation and they've been putting it in i mean i'm 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 terrified of the dolphins and and they almost caused the browns to miss the playoffs last year and they're a huge threat this year yeah they turned the laramie tunsil really good tackle they had um into four um basically four first rounders yeah after that happened um know cleveland twitter was going crazy because someone was like i wonder where they learned that from you know just talking about the carson wentz trade i think i think the browns turned carson wentz into like nick chubb and like 17 other like players and denzel ward and yeah so that's that's what the dolphins have been doing (laughs) all right so we have to discuss another qb trade it's it's freaking amazing chris uh so the The Eagles traded their former second overall pick in Carson Wentz uh, for a third round pick in 2021, so this year, a conditional second round pick in 2022, which turns into a first round pick if Carson plays 75% of the snaps uh, this year for the Colts, which most likely will. Which is likely. Yeah, which the Indy is hoping for, obviously. Yep. Um, so, so our boy Carson, we're both a fan of, uh, did not have a great year last year for the Eagles. He was last in completion percentage, uh, bottom three in passer rating, had the most interceptions uh, for the Eagles uh, this past season. But with being traded to Indianapolis, he gets Frank Reich is the coach, which was the former offensive coordinator for the Eagles, 
where Wentz had his most success for the Eagles and helped get them to the Super Bowl. So what does this mean for Carson Wentz? I think this means a restart for him. The possibility uh, to be with a much better roster. Because the fallacy here is everyone's thinking of Philadelphia as the roster that was there a few years ago. No, 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 no. The roster currently last year was crap. The offensive line was basically run down to backups this past season. Their wide receivers are possibly the slowest or second slowest in the league behind New England last year. They cannot separate to save their lives. So Carson Wentz for the past few years has reverted to what we'd like to call hero ball to make sure. to make plays for this offense because their skill positions are so bad. Uh, and this year, it, that hero style ball finally caught up to him a little bit in that more of the potential picks he was throwing were being caught uh, by the defenders. So hopefully... Right, so, yeah, I mean, it's, I think there's several people to blame in terms of what the 2020 Philadelphia Eagles became. So first of all, it's bad roster building by Philadelphia for a couple reasons. One, they suck. <laughs> at de- like development and actually signing players and I mean they're just not what they were four years ago in terms of like building a good roster number two I think they got scared of the eventual Carson Wentz contract so like that thing that bill was on the back of their minds for two years straight you know, you know they went cheap because they're about to pay this guy who at the time was the highest paid quarterback of all time so um, yeah I mean it's bad roster building on their part and also just Carson Wentz because as a product of the bad roster, developing terrible habits because he was playing hero ball. So the Eagles just became this bad, bad, bad team. Carson Wentz was bad quarterback for one year, and then uh, that fostered a lot of bad blood um, to the point where Carson Wentz had to be traded. Like, this should not be a possible trade. This should not be possible where... um, Philadelphia would even consider trading a guy that they're going to be essentially paying for paying to play um, on another team. Uh, <laughs> but they, they developed this situation. They allowed this situation to become as bad as they can. So, so I mean, in term, sorry, go ahead. Uh, do you have the dead cap number in front of you in terms of what Philly still owes him? Isn't it like $35 million? Against the cap, uh, yeah. So th- uh, they would be do something like thirty-five million per year starting this year. Like so, um, I think so. Carson Wentz, I think, would be owed like thirty-five million per year. However, because of like guarantees and whatnot and what they've paid out, Philly is essentially going to be paying nine point two seven million dollars uh, for him this year, and you know, essentially in per- perpetuity. But they've already paid it. <laughs> So essentially, nine million dollars of Carson Wentz's salary while he's in Indianapolis is going to get paid by Philadelphia, <laughs> which which makes Carson Wentz a very attractive quarterback now if he could become what he was. So um, you're paying Carson Wentz essentially twenty five million dollars a year now in Indianapolis, um, and Indy's paying or Philadelphia's paying nine million. So like, 
Indy absolutely cut Philadelphia here. I love about <laughs> how low risk and high reward this trade was for Indy. Because I don't think Carson Wentz is as bad as he was in 2020. Oh, God, no. Was, God, I no. Was, I think he was frustrated. I think he developed some terrible habits based on what the late 2019 roster was and 2020 roster was. I think they were missing a ton of guys. I think there was drama. Um, I think Carson Wentz is more closely related or more closely today what he was in 2019. I think he's realistically the 2019 Carson Wentz. So that's not the guy who's justifying this amazing contract. But again, Indy's no longer paying that contract. Um, He's not the guy that they thought he would be. But again, that's fine. He's getting paid accordingly. So Wentz is not this MVP candidate anymore, um, but he's also not getting paid like it anymore. Yeah, um, as, especially with the accumulation of all those injuries, I think that's a factor that no one's talking about and why he's really struggled over these past years too. It's probably just he's physically not the same guy. Right, right. But like, think of it this way. Like, uh all those injuries, injuries were still there in 2019, but Carson Wentz carried a bad team to the playoffs, and that's that's somebody who warrants a next contract. As if at, as if on during their rookie years they can take a team a bad team to the playoffs. Like, um, so you're getting Carson. Say you get 2019 Carson Wentz, and I asked you like, hey man, put 2019 Carson Wentz on the 2020 Colts. They are scary. True, um, and especially with let's look at the the Colts uh, roster. They have top two offensive line, which is going to help Carson out a lot because he's been battered and bruised, even though he does hang on to the ball too long. Uh, and they've got T. Y. Hilton, not as good as he used to be, um, as Chris would know from his fantasy team. Correct. <laughs> But still, still a good wide receiver. Um, uh, Chris Taylor, who I would know from my fantasy team, was very good. You mean Jonathan Taylor? <laughs> Thank you, Jonathan yeah. Taylor, who the I would know. Back room is insane. Uh, they got Wentz, obviously, and if you give me 2019 Wentz, it's going to be insane. They have T.Y. Hilton. They have Michael Pittman. Yeah. Um. And Quentin Nelson, I mean, yeah, they're, they're, they have some filthy offensive players that uh, Carson Wentz hasn't seen a level of. Actually, probably this might be his best offense he's ever had. I mean, it's comparable offensive line to that great 2017 Philadelphia offensive line. So, it, And would it be blasphemous for me to say that Frank Wright is currently a better coach, head coach, than Chris, Chris Pedersen ever oh was. Oh Way better. Um, you could argue that Frank Reich and his offensive mind was the reason that Doug Peterson had uh, you know, the success he had. I mean, he hasn't, Philadelphia hasn't been the same since Frank Reich left. I mean, this is a situation where it was the offensive coordinator the uh, product or the main factor in that success. Like Shanahan leaving Atlanta. So, um, yeah, I, I it's not out of line at all, and actually, you're dumb if you don't say that. <laughs> um, so, one of the more scandalous uh, things that have happened this season is the stuff surrounding Deshaun Watson, him wanting out of Houston, uh, rightfully so, I might add, 
because of their just absolute um, unwillingness to take advantage of his rookie deal. Um, and then we've gotten these allegations of sexual assault uh, from 22 different women. Um, in this podcast, we will be uh, saying uh, nothing about whether we believe it's true or not. Um, he's innocent until proven guilty, but 22 allegations uh, does not look good. Um, even if found innocent, uh, I think there'll still be questions of his character going forward. He's already had uh, some major sponsors suspend uh, their campaigns with him. Uh, so uh, the question is, would we entertain uh, trading Deshaun Watson? Uh, for me, the answer was no back before the allegations. And now, like you said in an earlier answer, it's hell no. Because I'm not giving you... <laughs> I'm guessing his value now has severely uh, decreased because of these allegations. Because let's be honest, the possi there's a possibility he might never play football again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I'm not giving you a sixth round pick for a top three quarterback. Want people to be able to trade, get traded for the actual value that they are, and you can't can't properly uh, examine the situation right now. So, but yeah, I mean, a month ago it was hell now, and currently it's just like not applicable. You know, you can't even consider anything like this. So, it's uh, but like he was you he was you wasn't going to get his value when these allocations weren't uh, um, known to the public. He wasn't yeah, going. Hemorrhaging the next decade of its future, there was nothing that would warrant getting the third best quarterback in the world. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was it was a hell no uh, a month ago. And it, it, if you asked me this question a month ago, um, I was totally against trading Watson, and just because they had waste. I mean, I was never sorry. I was never totally against trading Watson. It's just nothing had even come close enough to getting him, you know what I mean? There were some, like, terrifying reports of, like, San Francisco giving up, like, two first-rounders. <laughs> San, San Francisco had been able to get Watson for two first-rounders. Like, that, so we have that's the equivalent, the that, that's the equivalent of someone of Mahomes' level knowing what it was like to be surrounded by dog crap and then going to, basically, a Kansas City-level team. Yeah, I loved in the Super Bowl Mahomes being like, you know, everyone's like, man, Mahomes had like no no time to pass or anything like that. And then like there are all these great memes on Twitter that were just like, hmm, I wonder what that's like and we show like Deshaun <laughs> So it's just like uh, people like asking questions like, man, I wonder I mean, but but who really could have like done anything against that Tampa Bay defense in the Super Bowl and like people are show pictures of like Deshaun Watson like uh, throwing a touchdown pass while getting kicked in the face. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I I was always you know, thinking of D. Watt for show. So yeah, nobody um, 
I'm not trading. I wasn't trading him for seven first rounders a month ago, so yeah, I'm not going to give him up for a seventh rounder today. So we'll have to see how that comes out uh, later on. Um, uh, no opinion on um, the legal matters in itself. Um, so the Browns and Bills both had a pretty good offseason. Uh, I mean, I think we're pretty realistic fans. We don't um, uh, flip out on the positive or the negative. We try to stay pretty even keel. Um, But what was your favorite uh, Browns move of free agency, Chris? Um, I would say uh, the Browns building up their uh, secondary, which starts with John Johnson. So, I mean, they got him on a good deal. He comes from a... Uh, awesome defense and it's like in, a, in the Los Angeles Rams where he was a huge factor of it. They get him for three years, $11 million a piece. So it's like short-term contract, but also like short-term within the remainder of his prime. Um, he has a Pro Bowl caliber safety, um, you know, a monster cog in, in a sweet defense. That That's what we were talking about earlier. The Rams, like, they're not going to be as good with Stafford there. But, you know, to get them and all these things, they're giving up a ton, and they lost um, people like John Johnson uh, this offseason as well. So, I mean, you add him to Denzel Ward, Grant Delpit, you know, perhaps Greedy Williams when he gets healthy. (laughs) Um, The Browns also got Troy Hill from the Los Angeles Rams, too, for $24 million over four years. So, I mean, the development of the Browns secondary is my favorite thing that they did this offseason. That's kind of been Andrew Barry, the GM's uh, thing. So, like, he finds a problem on the roster and he just completely addresses that problem. You know, the offensive line, for instance, last year, he spent uh, free agency building up the offensive line and then his first round pick. So, uh, that's kind of what he's been doing with the secondary this offseason. Uh, definitely the the weakness of the team uh, going into, yeah. into the offseason. For sure. Yeah. Okay, uh, so and you got to mention Troy Hill too, uh, the cornerback from uh, the uh, Rams as well. Uh, yeah, and underrated. They essentially took two of their four guys. Yeah, so that's the best move for the Browns because I believe it allows them to focus on <clears throat> both linebackers and uh, maybe a. Uh, Pass rushing partner for Miles Garrett in the draft, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Okay. So what I love the most <clears throat> for the Bills, um, you you would think it would be the uh, the one year six million dollar deal uh, for Emmanuel Sanders, who will be a great uh, number two uh, for uh, the Bills after getting rid of. Uh, <clears throat> uh, Smoke, uh, our our former wide receiver, who unfortunately because of the salary cap um, going down was making way too much money. So I think it's possibly between the two of them. I think it's pretty even. So 
it's not really a net loss or, or a net gain between the two. It just allows the Bills to uh, stay under the cap uh, for this season. So obviously, since you can't go over, it's a, it's a good thing to stay under. Um, but my favorite move has been the guys that they've been able uh, to retain and guys that didn't even go into free agency uh, because they decided to re-sign with the Bills before then. So Matt Milano, he got, let's see, four years, $44 million, which is a little steep, but according to a Bills Wire, they predicted that he would have gotten at least on the open market $2 million more million uh, per year. So that's significant in the money he's leaving on the table. And only... right, it just speaks to just good drafting this whole time throughout the uh, uh, McDermott era anyway in general, though. Like, that's, this is one of his first ra- This is one of his first picks. This is somebody who, you know, drafted in 2017 in the fifth round. Uh, has completely justified a second, you know, big con or an actual big contract. So just speaks to good drafting there too, retaining those players. And of that $44 million, only $24 million of that is guaranteed. Which is insane. Um, uh, so, so that's a, a very good deal if you uh, look at it that way. And quietly, Matt Milano is one of the most underrated linebackers in the league. He really doesn't have a weakness when it comes to uh, defending the run or defending the pass. Uh, he's really strong in both areas. I think one, one of the reasons it was only $24 million guaranteed is he has had some injury problems in the past. Uh, so if it wasn't for that, this deal would be even bigger, honestly. Um, so huge, uh, huge get for the Bills because, you know, the Bills' defense wasn't stellar last year, but it was decent. If he wasn't on the team, it would be bad. The defense would be bad if he was not with the Bills uh, this coming season. And then I really loved the re-signing of Daryl Williams for $28 million for three years. Only $14 million of that is guaranteed. Daryl Williams in the second half of the year was one of PFF's, Pro Football Focus's, uh, top-rated right tackles. And and that just shows you what the Bills do in free agency, too, because they had gotten him from free agency from Carolina for basically nothing on a one-year deal. Yep. So they're fantastic at just finding value in free agency, like... Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer, who are Pro Bowl caliber safeties, who they got for basically nothing from, I believe it was Cleveland and Green Bay. So thank you very much, Chris. Yeah, Bernie means a beast. And this is what, uh, I mean, 
he's officially had four years um, as the GM there. So, like, you're really starting to see, like, what has happened from his first draft class through today. Like we said, you have Milano being a beast and being around and getting extended. Um, yeah, how about how about drafting both Trey White and uh, Matt Milano in your first draft ever? Yeah, I mean, and what, him and McDermott? have made the playoffs three out of four years. Uh, so, insane. <laughs> um, and then, let's go to the best move of free agency. And really, it's the best team of free agency. I mean, I think you're going to have the same answer as I do. It's Tampa Bay as a whole, right? Yep. So, I mean, I loved the Indy move. I think Indy... Uh, getting Carson Wentz and forcing Philly to pay uh, a third of his contract is my favorite move that happened in the offseason. <laughs> but uh, that's by definition not really free agency. That was a part of the trade, and it's awesome. Um, but yeah, Tampa Bay in general, keeping pretty much the band together. I mean, and I would say Tampa Bay and Tom Brady somehow getting everybody to come back is the best move of free agency. In looking at a specific player, uh, Keeping Shaquille Barrett at $72 million for four years. Are you kidding me? This guy led the league in sacks, uh, not this past year, but the year before. Yeah, if he was 25, the contract would be monstrous. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I but, mean, but I think. about his age. I mean, production, as you just said, is insane, but it's like they're, they're very smart, right? They got him affordable. I, uh, when they had eventually got them, and now they're extending them for a very uh, affordable amount. I mean, that's my second. That's my number two thing that they did. Uh, I think the smartest thing they did was franchising uh, Godwin. I mean, you get a guy who's you know probably not a top three wide receiver in the league, you know, for what you're going to be paying him with the franchise tag. But it's only one year of having to do this with them. So like, you franchise these guys when you have a small window, and Brady's Brady is the window, right? So if he's going to play for the next, you know, two years, conceivably, uh, you franchise your best players each year just to extend them within the Brady window. <laughs> yeah, and really it's the Tom Brady effect because Shaquille Barrett could be making, for four years, he could make, be easily be making, total-wise, instead of 72, 90. 90 to 100. Yeah. Agreed. So... It's just, it's just like the Tom Brady effect of I want to win rings. And I know with this guy on the roster, I don't care how old he is, we win rings. This psychopath just pounding <laughs> blueberries, forcing me to pound blueberries, like I'm all for it. Like he, Bruce Arians is a good coach. He turned Bruce Arians into a great coach. Forcing him to not air it out 50 times a game. Yep. And I mean, yeah, really actually take some Tampa short Bay. passes. Tampa Bay, after that Chicago loss, became New England on steroids, whereas before they were they were uh, a conservative Jameis Winston. <laughs> uh, so this has been our free agency episode. Um we will be coming to you with a draft episode after the draft happens in 
late April. So, this has been Basement Sports Talk. I'm your host, Kyle Meath, with my guest, Chris Ferdinand. He's, ba- he's basically a co-host at this point. Um, <clears throat> I run the show. <laughs> you, can fi- you can find this episode on CastBox, or if you have... If you're an Apple user, it'll be on uh, iTunes Podcasts as well. Um, it's been Basement Sports Talk. Goodbye. <laughs>